0: Are ELDs responsible for higher crash rates and more risky driving behavior? Hi, I'm Jim Park. A study published in late 2021 by the supply Chain Management Research Center at the University of Arkansas is casting doubt on the safety benefits of ELDs. Researchers there found that crash rates and incidents of unsafe driving increased following ELD implementation. They looked at crash and violation data across three groups, large mega fleets with thousands of trucks, fleets with 20 or fewer trucks, and single truck owner-operators. The study's authors found that crash and violation rates for large carriers remained unchanged after the ELD mandate came into effect compared with the time period prior to the mandate. However, the owner-operator group saw an 11.6% increase in the number of accidents, while fleets with 20 or fewer trucks saw a 9% rise in crash rates. For a look at the underlying reasons for the rise in crash and violation rates among smaller carriers and owner-operators, I'm joined by one of the study's co-authors, Andrew Balfour of the Sam M. Walton School of Business at the University of Arkansas. But before we speak with Andrew, please remember to follow and connect with us on social media and subscribe to the Heavy Duty Trucking YouTube channel and to HDT Talks Trucking on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Jim Park. Welcome to HDT Talks Trucking. This
1: episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K fleet card. Learn more at CircleKFleetCards.com.
0: Hi there, Andrew, and welcome to HTT Talks Trucking. It's good to have you aboard, sir. Thanks for having me. You've sort of set the uh, the safety and compliance world on ear with this new study you've just released. The research uh, that you've come up with has sort of indicated that um, maybe the hours of service rules and the ELDs aren't playing all that well together. Could you sort of uh, throw a little light on that for us? Sure,
1: sure. Um, I should acknowledge uh, the two co-authors I have on this study, um, Alex Scott in, uh, at the University of Tennessee and uh, and Jason Miller. Um, it was really great working with those guys on this study. Uh, what we looked into uh, was when the ELD mandate uh, went into effect, uh, I guess, back in December 2017. And uh, it shows you how long it takes to get something published in the academic world. I guess that has just been released, uh, the published version finally. Uh, but we were looking before and after the mandate uh, went into effect, and to see the impact on uh, on safety as measured by crashes, and uh, and in safety as measured by. Uh, Regulatory infractions, I guess, uh, you know, unsafe driving
0: behaviors or hours of service violations. That would be stuff sort of determined on the road or at roadside? That's right. That's right. Stuff uh, monitored by FMCSA
1: inspectors, the roadside inspections. Okay. Uh, And so we were looking at uh, comparing carriers that we thought were likely to be heavily affected by this mandate, mainly small carriers and owner operators and comparing them before and after to carriers uh, that shouldn't have been affected by the mandate because they already had ELDs in place. Uh, and these were the large carriers. We used a couple different control groups. Uh, but the one we sort of settled on was this group of seven uh, large asset based carriers that are the J.B. Hunts and the Warners and the, uh, those kind of trucking companies and trucking companies that had had ELDs. Installed for a long time, um, going back to maybe the middle or even early 2000s. Uh, and so they shouldn't have been affected by the mandate, and they're kind of a control group to monitor well, what's happening to unsafe driving behaviors and accidents. Okay. Uh, and comparing them to carriers that were late adopters uh, or likely to be late adopters is that we saw that, um, you know, in comparison to the control group, uh, is that accidents. We're pretty sure it didn't go down, and there's some slight evidence that accidents for the uh, these smaller carriers that were affected actually went up a little bit. Um, and uh, we also saw, well, you know, as these ELDs are getting adopted is that the HOS violations uh, were dropping, but you were kind of getting... Uh, an increase in violations in in other areas. Uh, Unsafe driving behaviors, you know, speeding uh, trended up. Uh, Unsafe driving behaviors among the adopting carriers uh, increased by about a third uh, according to our, um, and so this is uh, improper lane changes or following too closely or speeding. Um, All this stuff was on the rise, and so you kind of see these unintended consequences of this ELD mandate kind of really uh, pop out at you in the data.
0: So when you talk about violations and, and roadside inspection data, does it suggest a trend? I, I mean, I, I've heard some people suggest that if you were trying to determine the efficacy of the H HOS rules within the context of ELDs, uh, the rules never changed, but suddenly now drivers had a hard stop to their day. They had to get more work done within a prescribed amount of time, and there was no adjustments to be made or fudging to be made. The kinds of activity that you were monitoring, uh, on-road activities, does this suggest drivers were rushing or, or maybe doing risky things in order to take advantage of that limited window of opportunity?
1: It, it it certainly seemed that way um the, the data uh, i think indicates uh that pretty strongly it, it's it's interesting as we got into the study is that one of the things is a lot of drivers are paid piece rate paid by the mile paid by the mile uh, exactly and and so uh, you know they have these mileage targets they're trying to hit uh and so miles is just speed times hours and if you put a hard stop on those hours the only margin you have there is is speed um is getting um you know is getting there quicker uh and so that's one way you can do things another thing i've heard of uh after people have looked at this study is uh some drivers have been commenting that they're actually getting pushed more towards the hours limit uh because uh, it's more transparent i guess where they are in their uh hour of duty cycle uh and so you're getting more stuff crammed in there um and getting closer to the limit. Uh, that'd be something that we'd be actually interested in looking at if we had really good hours data before and after. Do you see mm-hmm. uh, do you see people getting up right up onto the edge of that limit before and maybe driving more tired than they were
0: uh,
1: because of the more precise monitoring?
0: You just said driving more tired. Does that mean or are you implying that because you get closer to the end of the 11-hour uh, driving limit that you're going to be tired or are, is there something, some other factor at play making them tired?
1: Yeah. I don't think that's too controversial. Right. Is if you've been on the road, 11 hours, you're, you're more tired than if you've been on the road, six hours. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd buy that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think that that's, uh, that's something there. This also is just sort of an interesting thing as we've seen uh, you know, this really come into popular media with uh, you know, all the supply chain disruptions during COVID and, you know, um in the past six months and all, um, that you've seen these hours of service restrictions, right? Is if we could relax them um a little bit, maybe you would have a little bit more capacity. Um one of the things that's interesting, just going back to the piece rate thing, uh, you know, getting paid by the mile is that it's, you know, it's kind of obvious why you pay drivers by the mile, right? Is you want them driving and uh and you know, want the incentives aligned to be covering mm-hmm. that. But in terms of you know, the the shippers, right, is if you're paying drivers by the mile, there's not really a cost of detaining these drivers, uh, you know, at loading docks and and whatever. And so if you wanted to really talk about increasing capacity, I, I wonder if hiring these drivers by the mile, right, so that you're on the clock when you're detaining these drivers at um at these loading docks, uh, if you were paying by the hour rather, uh, if that might not be a more uh a better solution for kind of increasing capacity with the existing driver pool that you have uh, by encouraging these shippers to, to get stuff out quicker.
0: A lot of people would be on side there. Uh, That's one of the questions, as you said, that's come up in the supply chain discussion. Uh, And the industry has been saying for decades, as long as I can remember that shippers are utterly unaccountable for the time that drivers spend at the loading docks. They said ELDs would bring some transparency to that. The, the dwell times would become far more obvious, and they probably have, uh, but yet I don't see any major changes there. And I, I still see shippers abusing or not respecting drivers' time at the docks and then complaining when they can't get any trucks. It's just a real disconnect there somewhere. We need to resolve. We need to get over that. I'm hoping
1: that the ELDs will help resolve that. Um, they, like you said, is it. there's a bunch of unintended consequences, in this study kind of shows that the safety – uh, you know, the safety benefits don't really uh, don't really appear to be there, but that transparency might turn out to be kind of a hidden hidden benefit for it if it's uh, something that kind of indicates you know what shippers get you in and out quickly versus what shippers are are gonna keep you there six hours.
0: Indeed. One of the commentators or one commentator I heard speaking on this subject on with regard to your study. Uh, sort of dismissed your your conclusions uh, on the speeding and accident uh, crash rate data, saying that fatigue-related crashes would be a much better measure of whether or not ELGs were working. A, it's pretty tough to prove a crash is fatigue-related, but that's not really the point of your study, was it? You weren't trying to dwell on or deal with whether or not drivers were doing this because they were tired, i.e. working too long or lack of sleep. But the the obvious implication here is that they're rushing and making mistakes and doing risky behavior. So is trying to determine fatigue in relation to this crash, speeding, bad driving thing, an accurate way of looking at it?
1: I think it's only one part of the story, as you you indicated, is that uh, our approach to this initially was that this changes incentives. um, That, you know, if there is a hard stop on the day, is that, uh, you know, at and if there's a device, you know, on your dashboard that's telling you right that you have, you know, 20 minutes left, is it the incentives are all going to be there to rush a little bit more? Uh um, yeah. so yeah, that's what we had thought. And I think you're right, is that measuring fatigue related crashes uh is difficult. And crashes itself is a really uh is a really difficult variable uh to to deal with because there's a lot of things that go into crashes, is what is the road conditions like? How were how congested was it? What are other drivers doing uh around you um, that determine the crashes? Is it the violations, you know, the kind of driver behaviors is indicated by those violations, I think is uh is a less noisy variable and that you see that speeding goes up uh and that unsafe driving goes up is. Uh, pretty indicative of mm-hmm. you know the incentive kind of thing that drivers are rushing for um, to get the loads done in the in that uh, that hard window.
0: Yeah, you weren't looking at this aspect of it particularly, but people, DOT and FMCSA and others point to ELDs um, or point to the violation reductions seen since ELDs emerged. As, as part of the success story. Well, we're not getting any violations, therefore drivers must be safer. Well, most of those violations were form and manner violations. And if now you've got an automated system collecting all that information, there's less opportunity for drivers to make mistakes, i.e. fewer form and manner violations. Can we really make the claim, do you think, that ELDs are, are making things safer just because the number of form and manner violations is dropping?
1: I think that's a great point. Uh, and- uh, we actually dug into this uh, a little bit with those form and manner violations that you talked about. And uh, I don't think this actually made it into the final published version of the study. Uh, but those go to basically zero, um, you know, that it was a good part of the the violations before and that you don't see any of them yep. anymore because you can't uh, you can't make a computational layer anymore with an ELD uh, installed. You either have them or you don't. Um, so that these violations are reduced um you know it doesn't lead to an increase in safety and you didn't see any right is it at the end of the day what is an increase in safety look like is that it, it has to be reduction in accidents <laughs> reduction in crashes and you yeah. didn't see that uh, so yeah, i think that's, that's right, really interesting. great point
0: do you plan on going back and having another look at that
1: uh there's a lot of different stuff out there uh there's no immediate plans to revisit this but i you know if you had uh, i think it is an interesting study that you brought up if you had good Good data that ELDs actually make possible, where you see where people are in their driving cycle, and you know uh, have they gotten more towards the limit uh, as time has passed with these uh, with these devices installed on trucks, and are they more likely to have an accident later in the duty cycle? Um, that this uh, this would be interesting to look into for sure.
0: <laughs> well, it would seem uh, in in bringing the ELD mandate forth Congress was probably onto something, a good idea, uh, but it looks like <clears throat> there were some failures in the implementation of it and certainly failing to take human nature into account uh, and the way drivers are going to react to a uh, an imposed limit on what they can do. Uh, do you have any recommendations for FMCSA or DOT going forward on to how they might take uh, this, the results of your study into account when crafting any uh, updates or via, or you know improvements to the rule are concerned? Uh, well um
1: i don't know if i'm smart enough to have really good <laughs> recommendations that uh that i'd want to put myself on the hook for one of the things that uh people have talked about that i guess we should touch on here um and that my co-authors are kind of conflicted about um is uh is speed limiters and how they interact with the elds uh and so okay. earlier studies that um showed safety benefits to ELDs were all uh, done, um, you know, with kind of bad data. Uh, And what I mean by bad data is it's all companies, these large companies that had speed limiters already installed on these. And so, um, you know, if we were talking about the mileage targets that you have, uh, and then you limit hours and you also limit speed, there's no flexibility anymore. And, you know, um, you don't have this unsafe driving behavior. You wouldn't see that. You can't say Right. right. Um, and uh, with the ELD mandate went, in, went into effect, right, is you have a lot of trucks that don't have these, they can adjust on there. Uh, and so, you know, what some of these uh, uh, safety people and executives at the larger companies have said is, well, we need speed limiters on these other trucks. And so our study indicates, well, you know, there might be a safety margin there. Um, what we don't show is that you have these speed limiters installed, is that you have this. Uh, These other unintended consequences that we can't really or haven't quantified, um, you know, of like how furious do people get when they're stuck behind two trucks that are, you know, stuck at 62 on this two lane Mm -hmm. interstate and, you know, um, that has its own consequences or, uh, you know, not being able to pass uh, safely or not being able to merge. Well, Um, you know, these these things that are kind of harder to measure. Uh, And so for that reason, I'm kind of. I'm agnostic about, well, should we have these things or should we not um, with respect to, to ELDs? Um, you know, and then we talked a little bit about the transparency uh, that comes along. And, you uh, know, nobody likes somebody having, nobody likes having somebody look over their shoulder uh, while they're doing their job all day long, but there can also be some, uh, some efficiency gains uh that can potentially come out of having this this stuff more uh more widespread and so uh one of the things you know as an economist that I'm interested in is that better data coming from having uh more telematics out on the roadway in terms of where the trucks going uh what do your shipments look like you know can you um you know can shippers and carriers monitor how the how uh, the market is performing in different ways is it conceivably gets you uh, better loads, um, you know, all these kind of all these kind of things. I don't know if I clearly explained that at all. <laughs> um,
0: well, there's a lot it of just, legs uh, to this. Just
1: more market intelligence, um, yeah. and you know that uh, at the end of the day, right? That means you know more efficient markets means more money for uh, for drivers, right? And it means lower costs for shippers. You know, just squeezing those two parts together.
0: Yeah. Well, we hope that'll happen someday. Uh, we reached out to FMCSA for a, a comment on this story. They, they said they were aware of the study and it's under review. Have you heard anything directly from FMCSA or anybody involved? Uh, I have not. Um, that the study
1: is is pretty uh, is pretty straightforward. That uh, to do, uh, there's a lot of fancy statistical methods that you could do, but this is just a you know this is just subtraction uh, essentially uh, and. Um, you know, you, you check before and after for, um, uh, for these effective carriers, right. And you subtract it from the before and after for the unaffected carriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, it's not a difficult thing for them to look into. And I would have imagined that we would have heard comments if there was, uh, if there was anything, uh, horribly wrong with this study.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, thanks. You know, that was great. I, when, when that popped out the other day, I thought, well, we got to talk a bit more about this, um, because it, it really speaks to a problem that drivers have been complaining about since this thing went in, and it's really the first you know verification that you know yes some of the things drivers saying are true. Uh, they do feel pushed and they do feel pressured, and uh, you know they're taking steps, rightly or wrongly, to work around that. So thanks for sharing that with us. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Andrew Balthrop, a research associate at the Sam M. Walton School of Business at the University of Arkansas and his co-authors, Alex Scott of Northeastern University and Jason Miller of Michigan State University. Remember to follow and connect with us on social media and subscribe to the Heavy Duty Trucking YouTube channel and to HDT Talks Trucking on your favorite podcast platform. This is HDT Talks Trucking. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.